Welcome to the Dare to Multiply podcast. On this podcast, we help passionate Jesus followers become courageous, obedient disciples who impact their communities for the kingdom of God. I'm your host, Cynthia Anderson, a disciple multiplication coach and trainer. I'm going to show you how to make and multiply disciples in your area. God's got great things ahead for you. Let's dare to multiply. Some sow, others reap, but it's the Lord who brings the harvest. We know that, right? And yet this is a cycle that we get to be involved in. And today I have the privilege of talking with Nathan Shank. He's, uh, he was my neighbor for many years in South Asia and somebody I've known for a long time, the creator of what has been used around the world. It's called the Four Fields Training. He's gonna be sharing with us what that is. And I know you're gonna love this chance to learn from Nathan and from his expertise. He's been doing this for a lot of years, particularly in South Asia, but I've seen tremendous fruit and growth as he's used this Four Fields approach. And so we'll be right back with that in just a moment. Are you busy but not seeing the fruit you long for? Dissatisfied with your present level of impact on those around you? Or frustrated with traditional methods of discipleship that don't seem to be effective? If so, the Getting Started in Disciple Making Movements course may be just what you need. Inside the Getting Started program, you'll get access to a step-by-step proven approach to making and multiplying disciples. Not only will you receive 25 short and practical video teachings spread out over six modules, but you'll have a chance to connect with others for group coaching via our monthly Zoom calls. And even more importantly, you'll become part of a global community of like-minded people from all over the world who are passionately committed to following Jesus and impacting others around them. If you want to get unstuck and begin moving forward as a disciple who makes disciples, I encourage you to go to courses.dmmsfrontiermissions.com and sign up for this powerful program today. And now to today's episode. Sowing and reaping the four fields training is a training that has multiplied across the globe. And I am so honored to be here with Nathan Shank. He's somebody who was a neighbor in a way. Um, we lived in the same city many years ago. And I remember being on a plane with him one time. And Nathan, you probably don't remember this, but I remember you were more interested in sharing Jesus with the person next to us than in talking to me. And I, I thought, I like this guy. <laughs> That's the way it should be because I'm his neighbor. We we can talk anytime, but here's somebody who needs to hear the gospel and Nathan was on it. And I just so appreciate you and your ministry, Nathan. It's real honor to have you here on the Dare to Multiply podcast. We're talking about sowing and reaping, the four fields training and other things as well. I know you've done a lot of stuff since that was first developed, but Mm -hmm. first just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got involved in disciple making and disciple multiplication. And yeah, give us a little intro on who you are. Yeah, well, uh, good to see you. (laughs) It's been a while, neighbor, you know. uh, Yes, it has. My wife, Carrie, and I, uh, we met and married uh, having both responded as singles to a call to mission to, to take the, cro- the gospel across cultural barriers, language barriers. 
And so we've been on mission for some time. Uh, as far as uh, cross-cultural work, almost exclusively, our fields have been in, focused in South Asia. So we're looking at uh, Nepal, India, Bhutan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Pakistan. With the, those nations, we consider South Asian peoples. Uh, but uh, along the way, it's, it, we spend our life and try to live our life in the Word of God because we've got that playbook and that script right there in front of us that's sufficient for faith and practice, that has everything we need for life and godliness. And, mm. and uh, that's where our marriage has been lived. That's where our family's being raised. We've got four kids all living here with us. Uh, and uh, along the way, the journey uh, really comes down to uh, trying to learn and lean beyond ourselves, to carry on and, and lean into a posture that says, uh, you're, we're not enough and never will be. Though we do practice our disciplines trying to look beyond ourselves as far as uh, empowering and equipping ministry for disciple making, for church planting. And when we look at a place like South Asia, there's no other option. We're truly the, the populations around us are multiplying where we intend to see a vast multitude gathered around the throne in Revelation, uh, does imply that we multiply at some point. So uh, how did we get involved? It really was early on coming to the field with a missionary cross-cultural calling. And my calendar, my skill, my uh, spiritual gifts, even kind of as a default recognizing that even today, if I'm not pursuing and practicing those things, I don't last. But the best of the fruit of all those things is could be counted as addition. We might be involved in adding to the kingdom. Uh, and that might be considered faithfulness along the way, part of our own stewardship. And yet to multiply, we've got to be willing to equip, to give away, to empower and push from behind others who go and do the work. And that's really what we're still trying to lean into, what we're still trying to adopt as the default posture, try to program that into our head that our disciples would go and do more and greater things than we've done. Just John 14, Jesus and his 12. So mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we share, obviously, um, probably not all of our listeners would know, but uh, we share a, a passion and a love for South Asia. You know, Todd and I, we were, our three kids are all born in Nepal. And so we speak mm -hmm. Nepali. Nepali is uh, our first love and missions, really, um, other than Africa, where I was born. <laughs> but um, we love South Asia. And we're so glad that you guys are still in, you know, still working and focusing on South Asians because there's such a great need. And I love what you were saying there about, the default of just if we use our own talents and gifts and skills, even spiritual gifts, we're yeah. still kind of looking at addition unless we start to give it away, unless we start to train others and um, believe that they can do more than us. Mm. Um, so, yeah, anything more you want to say about that? Did that just kind of, you know, how did you come to that conclusion? It's not necessarily what everyone comes to the field thinking. So, That's yeah, true. how did... How did and, that and, come about? You know, Cindy, these days we're also involved in mobilizing and men, trying to mentor, trying to equip a lot of expats, those other cross-cultural goers that land on teams and in efforts around us. And that is true. The, the vast majority of cross-cultural workers coming from the West that we've experienced 
have come with a bit of programming, a bit of thinking regarding uh, their own ability, their own skill, even have most likely spent a lot of time honing that skill, developing that in experience and, and expertise. And I'm not to say that that's wasted by any means, mm. uh, but rather a bit of uh, the Apostle Paul taking thoughts captive to make them obedient to the Lordship of Christ, loving him with all our mind, uh, does involve a lot of death to self. It does involve uh, a rethinking, a repositioning, structuring beyond ourself as the harvest force. How do we mobilize and think and live beyond? Mobilize, equip others. And you can't do better in that regard than to, to read the Galilean ministry, right? To read Christ's example with his 12. There's no doubt Christ would have done much better going village to village he would have presented the gospel in its purity. He would have discipled imperfection. And yet he's going to mobilize 12. He's going to mobilize 70 others to represent him. Mm-hmm. He's going to commission across 2,000 years, even broken vessels uh, like Carrie and I, to represent him and to, and to, to carry the beauty, beautiful gospel and, and, and seek to make disciples and prepare a bride that's spotless, washed by the word. And he's going to use earthen vessels to do that? Well, that's the mystery of the spirit. And mm-hmm. to realize that we don't have a monopoly on that, that no matter mm-hmm. where, in fact, no matter how sharp our gifting becomes, it's possible even that at times our, our spiritual gifting could be so sharp, so practiced, so honed that it might demobilize disciples. Mm-hmm. If, if those disciples look and see how Carrie or Nathan or Cindy share the gospel, and think I could never do that, how we teach the word of God and think, wow, I could never preach or teach that way, lead that way, disciple that way. Uh, in some ways, we could be so sharp in our own disciplines that we demobilize at times. Right, right. Well, that's a pretty counterintuitive uh, thing to, to, to consider that the better, the sharper, the more professional, the more polished our presentation is, it could actually cause others to feel, I could never do that. I could never be like that. And, and that's not motivator. That's not an excuse for some sloppy disciple making. That's right. the impetus, the motive for, to simplify so that we can maximize mobilization. And again, my evidence would be, why on earth would Jesus, who could disciple in perfection, who could, who could lead and evangelize in perfection, mobilize others who are going to struggle, who are going to fail, who are going to constantly need ongoing coaching? Uh, mm-hmm. Well, there's something in God's economy, the kingdom, that, that he's carved space. He's prepared place for us to be involved and us to be in process. Well, I, I'm sure glad that's the case. I would have no uh, recourse, no occupation for making disciples if I, it required perfection. And yet, yeah. as I go, I learn. Right? That's that's our journey. I'm yeah, not the same. Absolutely. I'm not the same disciple maker I was when we were neighbors. You know, and and surely we're not done learning even now. Uh, yeah. Same with our disciples. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, don't you think, Nathan, that when when we keep it simple and ordinary people can do it. You know, yeah. ordinary people with with brokenness in their lives, maybe or issues. I know I'm I'm not done yet growing in God. You know, neither are those people we're discipling. That when God uses them, when He uses people like us, um, He gets much more glory than you know when uh, when it's somebody who says, you know, 
hey, I have it all together. I have this great ministry. I know what I'm doing. And, you know, it's, it's very human manufactured. Then that person gets the glory rather than Jesus. And maybe that's part of his motivation. I'm not sure why he chose to do it this way. But like you said, it's clear in scripture that mm -hmm. he has. Paul agrees with you, right? First Corinthians 2. <laughs> He's chosen yeah. the simple things of the world to confound the wise. And, and in some ways, to, by simplifying, then our gospel is not the convincing aspect of the gospel. The convicting part of the gospel is not some eloquence or wisdom of man. It's, it's a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Mm -hmm. It's the work of the gospel uh, advancing and taking root. And no man gets to claim credit there. That's and right. I think uh, I think that's important. We go to the word and we look and see all those places where we're surprised, maybe, who Jesus would choose to represent him, yeah. uh, who the disciples might empower, who they might, even in Paul's journeys, leave behind to carry on and do the work, even in some cases what looks like infancy or immaturity, and yet the actual on-the-job growth. And, and I think that's it, Cindy. What we learn is that Christ really is the head of the church, that he, he does superintend the body and his word is sufficient. It's effective and actual and active in the midst of those believers. Not ex Again, it's not accepting a sloppy discipleship. It's not accepting a, an immature or spotted bride. No, rather the washing of the word is the plan, the way forward. The sooner and simpler we can put that in front of them, trust and empower, equip them to rightly divide and let it do its work, right? That's what the gospel mm. is active. Yeah, so, absolutely. But we're, neither of us have gotten to the place where we don't have to revisit that thought continually. Mm -hmm. And in which case, it's it's also active in our life, right? We're still growing as disciples. We still connect and must stay connected to that vine. Unless yeah. inside of the fact of what God does in and through his word in the life of disciples. Yeah, I love that. Just the power of scripture, the power of the word to bring about change in and of itself. And it's not the eloquence of the way it's presented or, you know, the way it's, um, yeah, even uh, explained. But it's, it's really the word itself and the Holy Spirit in his word. I know I've sat and maybe you have too and many discovery Bible studies or three-part meetings and there'll be a brand new Christian or even a seeker there. And they have an insight from God's word that, I mean, I've studied, I've been through seminary and my master's degree, and I never saw that. And it's there. And it's like, wow, the Holy Spirit can speak to people. He can speak to me through somebody who's just seeking or new in the faith yeah. because as he's him, you know, <laughs> and it's his word. Absolutely. Especially in the cross-cultural context, right? How many times have you been listening to a simple question asked of believers in another cultural context and you, their insight actually unveils and shows you a blind spot in your own worldview. You've never considered that perspective or that truth uh, based on a, a Western context that we may have grown up in. Now, I heard you say you grew up in Africa, you know? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, nevertheless, in the cross-cultural context, you see it so often uh, in our own blind spots, right? Where mm -hmm. the Lord is, is showing and speaking from a cultural context that's cross-cultural for us that, that helps us realize I didn't know my worldview had paved over or glossed over that truth, you know? Yeah, that's uh, true. That's true. Or even in the West, I think sometimes we become so Christian in our culture 
Yes. That there's insights that people who are new to faith or coming to faith bring that, um, again, there's a cultural divide that's sometimes there that um, we need we need to see things afresh, even even in a Western context. Calls us back but, to simplicity and freshness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, tell us, you know, Nathan, you are the famous creator <laughs> of the Four Fields training. Um, I so appreciate that training and it's been used around the world, a simple methodology, but tell us a little bit about it. What What is Four Fields? How did how did that come into your mind and heart to create that? And, and what has God been doing through it over these many years? Okay, uh, well, the first is, uh, you know, if to the degree that statement is true, it's a little mark of failure, right? That if there's if there's fame in that, then we failed in giving it away in some ways. But I I appreciate the way you said it, uh, Cindy. You know, uh, what's that old saying? It takes a village to raise a child. In some ways, uh, it takes a village uh, certainly to to propagate the gospel, to raise up uh, what is the four fields model. And we have no monopoly there, you know. We hopefully have been called faithful practitioners in our disciplines and in training, but the the actual braided stream that is uh, telling the history and story of four fields where we've learned far more than we've taught along the way from brothers and sisters. Uh, we, were, we were just wrestling with... Uh, the Lord, the, again, the Galilean ministry, the instruction on the kingdom, trying to think and learn to live beyond ourselves, and seeing over and over again these agricultural illustrations in uh, beginning in the parables of the kingdom, whether it's the four soils or the, the seed growing secretly, you know, different, different ways that Jesus took the truths of the kingdom of God and by using agricultural illustration, he locked those truths on the kingdom into an illustration that every people in all of history could understand. There's no culture uh, in history that hasn't had a perspective, a sense, an understanding of agriculture. This matter of sowing and reaping, in which case uh, to illustrate the kingdom, Jesus commits himself to that agricultural illustration and ensures, locks his teaching in a way that 2,000 years later across oceans, even folks from rural Missouri or Oklahoma could grasp and understand and come to realize they know much more about the kingdom processes than they realized out of just that natural law of, of sowing and reaping, the way God has ordered creation. We started uh, seeing this repeated process uh, beyond the Galilean ministry, so clearly in the Apostle Paul that everywhere he went, he was pioneering among nations, people groups, Gentiles. He was uh, engaging cities that had no gospel witness. He was crossing language barriers. When you actually look at Acts chapter 2, all those languages gathered in Jerusalem. It's amazing the diversity of the targets mm. that Paul sought to engage there in the first century. And wherever he engaged... Wherever he pioneered, he sowed the seed over and over again. The word of the Lord, the word of the Lord. He, he made disciples. He even went back to places where he'd been persecuted to strengthen disciples over and over again and form them into churches. That's the probably the distinctive mark of the Pauline mission. He left churches in his wake everywhere mm -hmm. he went. 
And out of those churches, you know, there was never an epistle, there was never an appeal in any of his letters to send shepherds, to send pastors to a new church start. No, those old leaders always emerged from the harvest, in which case leadership development, both in shepherds and sent ones, we just saw this pattern in mm. the book of Acts. And we saw these same simple things, that if we'll engage your pioneer, if we'll sow the seed, if we'll make disciples, if we'll look to church planning, forming churches, and see leadership development emerge from the harvest, we've got that pathway, we've got that critical path toward, uh, beyond our own disciplines, toward multiplication. And mm. coming to realize there's no component of that task that we could erase, that we could shortcut, that we could replace with some other tool or methodology. No, we have to pioneer. Up to, until the second coming, there are targets to engage like empty fields and the gospel is the engine. It's the seed that must be sown and results in disciple making, the stewardship of follow-up and investment. And then the community, the new kingdom community that is the church, our commitment there to see the entire process reset where leaders could be raised up to shepherd, but also to go to the next empty field. And isn't that Paul's journeys, right? Mm. Right living and then through Timothy, through Titus, through others, engaging and further, even to the point uh, Paul's end, the kingdom carries on because the entire process rolls over. Well, that's it. And, and which part of that did we learn along the way? Every bit of it. And along the way, people learning and teaching and instructing and writing back. Uh, we knew we were getting somewhere when People started sending us their training guides. Mm -hmm. When they were looking into Acts, the, when they were looking into the Galilean ministry, and rather than us handing materials to them, we were talking kingdom processes. We were thinking about this script, uh, uh, components that are essential in the midst of the kingdom, discipleship and church formation. People started writing us and sending us back. This is, these are the days when we owned our very first laptop, you know, and we're still- Right, right. <laughs> And we yeah. these downloads, right, with people sending back their own training guide for the five parts or the four fields. Someone named it that too. Uh, we didn't actually. And uh, oh, okay. And then now that we we refer to that, uh, even uh, our larger organizational effort, we talk about the core missionary task that there remains mm -hmm. sent one task to go across barriers, sow the seed, make disciples, plant churches, form churches and equip leaders who emerge from that harvest to reproduce the same process. So say those four things once again, a little bit more slowly. I, I know that for you and I, those are like old hat in many ways, but some who may be listening may want to write them down. So just the yeah. first one is? Yeah, the empty field is that pioneering target we call entry strategy. How, who will we share with? How mm. do we engage that target? The second field of the four fields process would be seed sowing. Surely as we enter a field, we go for the sake of seed sowing and that's gospel presentation. Mm. Where the gospel seed is sown, some of that seed by God's grace, as we mentioned, we can anticipate a new life as the spirit causes the seed to grow. That's, and, and our job there is to nurture the new growth. Uh, the field of new growth would be discipleship. And wherever disciples are growing, uh, this question about the harvest, about bundling the harvest together, the fourth field we call church formation. 
And from that search, leadership development, leaders who can carry on and reproduce the whole process. So entry, gospel, discipleship, church formation, and then leadership development that emerges. This process is what we see the Apostle Paul doing across the book of Acts. Right. And it's circular, isn't it? I know you often I see the four fields drawn in, a, in four quadrants and you're kind mm -hmm. of repeating them again and again. And that leadership development that carries it on generation by generation from church to church, just like out of Antioch, the Barnabas and Saul are sent to the forming of the Galatian churches. Out of the Galatian churches, Timothy emerges to join them and to be sent. And on and on the process goes even generationally so that we truly through those that church planting process and equipping, we can get to multiplication. Yeah, thank you. That That's really clear. I hope it's clear to those of you who are listening. We're going to put in the notes some links to some of these quadrants and charts so that you can get a chance to take a look at those. But Wow, it has been rich already. And we're going to pause the interview here. We'll come back next week for the part two with Nathan Shank. There's so many great stories and things that he still has to share with us, his insights. We'll be right back in just a moment. Imagine a world where passionate followers of Jesus come together to multiply, transforming lives beyond imagination. Instead of toiling with little fruit, what if God's abundance flowed beyond your wildest dreams? Picture those you've invested in sharing Jesus freely, creating a ripple effect of disciple-making. In her new book, The Multiplier's Mindset, Cynthia Anderson reveals how shifting mindsets can revolutionize disciple-making. When Cynthia and her colleagues experienced these mindset shifts, they saw enormous results including the launching of 19 multiplying movements in Africa and Asia, transforming tens of thousands of lives. This book will help you discover hidden harvesters, see church members move from passivity to passion, and release the power of simplicity in multiplying disciples. Don't remain stuck. Learn to move toward greater fruitfulness. Visit MultipliersMindset.com and get your copy of The Multipliers Mindset today. Let's talk about some of our takeaways. So first of all, Nathan talked about how we need to learn and lean beyond ourselves learn and lean beyond ourselves that we and ourselves will never be enough to reach the the vastness of lostness around us the lost and the the hurting around us instead we must learn to equip and give away what we've been given and he talked about how sometimes our giftings and our strengths when they're very professional and finely tuned and honed can actually demobilize people right? And we don't want to do that. We want to mobilize the body of Christ to do the work of the kingdom. So how can we simplify the things that we're really good at? And maybe we've for years, we've honed our skills in how can we simplify those things and make them much more uh, relatable and doable by the ordinary person who's sitting in the pews so that we mobilize everyone uh, for the missionary task. He talked about the four fields training and how the first field is an empty field. It's where we get our entry strategy. He then talked about sowing the gospel, which is the second field where we, we uh, present the gospel and we sow the seed of the gospel. 
And then we need to pull, uh, we need to nurture that new growth. That's discipleship or disciple making. And then bundle those people together into groups, into churches. That's church formation and then developing leaders. And then that process, that cycle repeats again. So good. And anybody can enter this cycle at any point. You can enter in evangelism. You can enter in discipleship. Whatever you're already doing, you can start there, but then we need to learn and grow in other parts of this cycle. So here's my takeaway for you. And just my action step is identify where you are strongest in those four fields. Are you a pioneer who easily goes into new places and new fields? Are you somebody who's more comfortable with evangelism and sowing seeds, but you, you need to learn how to disciple those people? Are you someone who's more gifted in discipleship, but you need to learn about how to do the seed sowing? You need to learn how to form groups or where are you at in the cycle? And then I would just invite you to pray, Lord Jesus, would you help me to grow as a learner, to be a learner in the other parts of those four different fields and that sort of cycle that goes around. And would you also help me to repeat the cycle so that we don't just see it happen once, but that in my area, we're going to see it happen again and again and again as generation after generation is formed and uh, new groups form other groups that form other groups. So identify where you're at in the cycle and then determine in your heart, God, would you teach me, even pray that prayer, would you teach me how to see this cycle going forward in my location, in my area? Um, be sure to come back next week. And uh, the next episode is going to be awesome as well. Nathan's telling some amazing stories, so you're not going to want to miss that. And uh, we'll be back uh, in about a week with the new episode. Blessing. That's all we've got for this episode of the Dare to Multiply podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you tune in to listen. Also, make sure to link up with us at dmmsfrontiermissions.com slash blog on social media. And please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Until next time, remember, God's dreams for us are always bigger than we can imagine.